0: A
1: podcast one production. Hey, I'm sports journalist Sam Squires. Welcome to On Her Game. Ash Brazel is a game changer. She plays for Collingwood not only in the SunCorp Super Netball League but in the AFLW as well. She's the first woman to play both sports professionally. But being a game changer doesn't come easy and ash has faced her challenges along the way too her story is one of persistence dedication and a drive to never give up on your goals even when the world seems to be telling you that you should but this is also a story about love in 2016 ash married her long-term partner brooke and at the time this was a game changer too their wedding video was initially posted online just for friends and family to see But it suddenly went viral, and the couple unintentionally became poster girls for the yes vote in the same sex marriage debate. Asha's sporting story starts as a kid watching her parents play netball. For you, what came first, netball or footy? Uh, Netball. What age did you you pick that
0: up? Oh, pretty early on. Um, I think I was around five. I think mum and dad just threw both of us into sport as soon as we could. But I grew up watching mum and dad playing in a mixed um, indoor netball team. So my brother and I would be beside the court, just watching them and um, throwing the ball around. And that was my goal, I think, as a little kid was to be able to play with mum and dad.
1: Were you born in Campbelltown and then moved to Bargo? Was that? Yep. Yep. So
0: um, grew up um, until I was in year four, mm-hmm. I don't, maybe year two, and moved to um, Bargo. Back then, mum and dad asked if we um, wanted another sibling or if we wanted to live on the farm. And um, back then, I was like, well, I don't want to have a sister. So (laughs) I'm putting putting money on the farm here. Um, Yeah, we moved out there and um, yeah, just fell in love with the life out there. Because it is
1: an older brother that you have? Younger brother. Younger brother. And you're like, no, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, I can't do this. Like, I'm daddy's (laughs) girl and there will not be another one. (laughs) And I want to live on the farm. What age were you when you got into footy? And why was it AFL? if you're really in rugby league heartland, being Campbelltown and and Bargo, New South Wales?
0: I actually didn't know AFL existed. True (laughs) story. I did not know it was a sport. Um, I was a West Tigers kid. Um, So Dad used to take us to (laughs) the rugby, yeah, the rugby oval and um, just sit on the hill and watch the boys play. And um, it wasn't until we moved out to Bargo and there was an AFL oval there. Um, Our team, sorry, my school um, had a girls' team and they had a mixed team as well. And um, for me, if I didn't care what sport it was, I'd put my hand up if it meant I got a day off school. So <laughs> AFL trials happened and I just asked a few questions, what happened? And I got told, just kick the ball as far as you can in the way of your your goals. And um, did that and, and made both the girls team and the mix side and, and just fell in love with the game. And did a couple of years at school and mum and dad fell in love with the game as well. And um, they signed me up for a Saturday team and... Yeah, I did that until I made um, the New South Wales Institute of Sport and was for told, yeah, yep. yeah, for netball, and was told, you know, give football up.
1: So that's what I did. Was that quite progressive for for your Bargo School to to have a girls' football team back then?
0: Yeah, New South Wales had a, um, I think it was called Poor Kelly Cup, and they were that was um, state run, mm. and a lot of teams, a lot of schools had their own team, and. We actually were state champions for ours, Yay. probably my proudest moment in sport <laughs> <laughs> um, back in primary school. But um, yeah, it's different. Like a lot of people didn't know what it was, but it was sport. And as kids, you just you'd just love playing sport. And um, none of my girlfriends at the time knew anything about AFL. We didn't follow any team. We didn't even know that the AFL league was a thing. Wow. We just thought. Yeah, let's just play it and um, we're lucky enough to
1: become state champions. Isn't that awesome? So you saw no gender divide in AFL back then. You just fell in love with the sport in its raw, organic component.
0: Yeah, I think growing up as a kid, you don't see any of that, nothing gender-related. You just, you play it because you love it. And I don't even know if mum and dad did. Like it was just, you just played sport. That was it.
1: Yeah. So you talk about getting into the New South Wales Institute of Sport and for netball, um, and having to give up footy. So was that then when netball really started to get serious for you?
0: Yeah, I was about 16 when I made it. Again, I I play sport because I love it. I didn't, I never had a goal to go as far as I have gone. And mm. my goal as a kid was to play in the Olympics. I didn't care what sport it was. <laughs> um, netball, unfortunately, isn't it Olympic I was about sport. to say, did you get
1: to a point where you're <laughs> like, oh, there. hang on, netball yeah, isn't is in this? the Olympics? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah. I had a phone call um, from the head coach at the time and offered me a spot with the Institute of Sport and just said, you know, like to offer you this contract. And I was like, Oh, that's exciting. What is it? Um, and her name's Lisa Beag and she was, a, is an ex Australian diamond and was telling me, you know, the commitments I'd have to do. And it was just training two nights a week up in Sydney. And at the time I was like, Oh, like it's really nice, but you know, unfortunately I won't be able to do it because we don't live in Sydney and um, it's too far for mum and dad. And did you make really that decision on your it. own?
1: You didn't talk to your parents beforehand. No, I just said that? it
0: like as we were on the phone. <laughs> okay. like, like, I didn't know who she was. <laughs> like, and now it t- turns out she's like one of the best wing defence players <laughs> ever to play the game. And there, yeah, then Lisa asked to speak to um mum, and mum was like, again, both didn't know what the institute was, so she explained it to mum, and yeah, mum was like, oh, that's great. And then we chatted about it, and of course, like my parents are great and yeah helped me with that like mum had to leave work early for me to get to training some days so mm. it was as much as it was a commitment for me as a young kid um it was a bigger commitment for my parents at the time and yeah i did it and it wasn't really goodbye football because i was 16 and at that age you couldn't actually play with the boys any longer
1: mm. so what age were you when you gave up football i think i was around
0: 15 once you were 12 you had to either stop playing football mm. or try and find a girls league um and my coach put in, you know, that this girl can actually play to the league and they would come out every couple of weeks and just make sure I could still um, match with the boys. And, um, yeah, I got up to 15 and um, and then netball kind of just took
1: over. So you kind of had special exemption from that rule then? Yeah, right? it was great.
0: Yeah, wow. but I think I had a bit of help with the boys because every game you'd start the game and you'd get, like, no attention because they're like, oh, don't worry, she's a girl and you'd have the boys, like, give me a little bit of cheek. And then oh, nice. by like the first quarter, I was like,
1: get on the girl. Like, yes. <laughs> did you thrive so, on that? I can imagine you thrive on that. I loved it because
0: I knew the first quarter I could basically do whatever I wanted. Um,
1: <laughs> nice. That so was fun. So what point then did you realize this could kind of be where I, the path that I take? Did you realize then that this could be a career for you?
0: Career? No, because at that stage the netballers were getting paid $100 a game. <laughs> Um, which is crazy because you've the likes of, like, Liz Ellis, who is still, in my eyes, the best netballer to ever play the game, mm-hmm. getting, like, nothing to play. Um, and, and I guess giving up the sport earlier than we do now because, you know, they had to go and, and um, support their family, mm-hmm. get full-time jobs. And for me, I I just wanted to get as far as I could um, and I wanted to play for the Swifts. So I wanted to, I guess, play with these players that I looked up to. I used to sit in the crowd and, and think... Imagine if I could say, like, Liz Ellis and Catherine Cox are my friends. Like, which is so <laughs> weird, like, not to play with them, but just to say that they were my mates. And um, it's weird because now I've played, like, with Coxie and um, a few of the players. I never really saw it as a career opportunity until I actually made it and thought, and every year, I guess, um the players have done a really good job in, in making it a sport that it can be a career. And so every mm. year it's different and you're chasing, I guess, different contracts and... I've moved from state to state to make my career um, come to light. And yeah, it's been a good ride so far.
1: You also got a scholarship to the AIS though, didn't you? What was yeah. life like at the AIS back then? Um, AIS was
0: great. You know, you'd get a, a contract and you would move um, to Canberra and you'd live there for a year. Um, and then your contract would be extended depending how you were going. And again, back then I was I was training two nights a week, playing one day. And that was pretty much it to moving to the AIS where you'd train every single day. Um and there was no games. It was all just all training. Mm. You were you're aiming to to get a contract from like the Swifts, West Coast Fever, all these different teams. And um yeah, back then it, for me it was great because I was put in this world where everyone that was there had the same interests as me. And for me, like that was great because I wasn't just mixing with netballers. I was mixing with boxers, um, volleyballers, rowers, sports that I had never really watched or got involved in. And so I was learning different aspects of different sports and I guess trying to find out as much as I could about their sport that I could bring into my own game. Mm. And that was just little things like we'd all eat together at the dining hall and just seeing what different sports had to eat to maintain their strength or mm. um, energy, like just little things like that I was learning and, and taking in. Um, so for me, it was a massive help with my career.
1: Did you take that on board? You know, some people look back on that and we've had guests on the show, they look back on their AIS and they didn't quite realise how big it was at the time or or they were so young going into the AAS that... You know, they partied at Melbourne, Well, not was it Melbourne's or Mooseheads? Mooseheads. <laughs> yeah, Melbourne's on the Gold Coast. That's, yeah, um, at Mooseheads during Sounds that time. Like a lot of athletes. <laughs> but did you understand the enormity of what you were going through when you were going through it at the AAS? I didn't at
0: that at that time. Um, for me, it was more just a learning curve. And if anything, what I took from it, I kind of I figured out who I was as a person mm. um, at the AIS and at that time. I hadn't come out that I was gay. Mm. I moved away from a country town into Canberra's little, but as an eighteen-year-old, it's a it's a massive change and it it was a big difference um, for me. So um, yeah, it was challenging in different ways for me. But sporting-wise, yeah, I don't think I really understood at that time this could be a career um, startup for me and. The reason is that like I still bring it back to just loving the sport because like, I thrived off training. I loved training. I loved the gym. It was the first time I had a real proper strength program um, Mm. that I had to do. It wasn't just a once a week thing and then it went for half an hour. We were doing it three times a week for two hours each session. Um, My body started changing. Just training with like best athletes that were my age um, for a whole year. And I, I wanted to be the best, like mm-hmm. even the girls that weren't in my position, you know, I wanted to beat them in the beep test. I wanted to challenge myself in, in different ways. So probably, I guess, did I know mentally? Yeah. No, like I I was just doing it because I loved it. But I think at the same time, maybe I did because I did challenge myself in that way.
1: You, I've heard you described you're a bit of a... Uh... AAS geek, like you loved your tracksuit and you just wear it everywhere. You're so proud that you were part <laughs> of the AIS Yeah, I'm a tracksuit kid.
0: <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think, you know, as a kid you you think, you know, people that you look up to like have gone through to the AIS. They've they've been here in so many years and they've they train week in, week out. We mm-hmm. we saw so many Olympians come through there just to do their weekly training or they'd come in for a month just for a boot camp and you know, you'd you'd get so excited as soon as you see them walk through the the food hall, you're like, Oh, that's this person and mm. they've won this and um so yeah, I was definitely proud to go there. I had to fight to get in there. I didn't I wasn't an athlete that, you know, got opportunities easy. Mm. I think the first round of AIS contracts came out for netballers and I didn't I didn't get one that year. A New South Wales player turned hers down. And um like that year I rode in and I was like, how do I get into it? And I think because I pushed so hard to like, you know, can I come down and just train? And I think that's why I ended up getting the contract because I pushed so hard. I think I put my name right in front that they couldn't really ignore me.
1: That's really cool. A Bit of a sliding doors moment.
0: Oh, it's been my whole career. (laughs) It's all right. (laughs) Keep knocking down doors.
1: Um, So when did your Diamond Stream then become a reality? Probably... During the AIS... um, For those who aren't familiar, I should say, Diamonds being the Australian women's netball team. Yeah, so um, when I was at the
0: AIS, Norma Plummer, who was the head Mm -hmm. Australian coach at the time, actually lived at the Institute of Sport. And the reason for that is that whenever the Diamonds trained, that's where their home base was. Mm -hmm. So she not just trained the Diamonds, but she kind of overlooked our program as well. And during this time, I started to become a bit of a netball geek um, and would watch majority of the Netball games and knew the whole Australian Diamonds list. Um, got excited about it, which a lot of I guess athletes don't really acknowledge or don't want to say it because they're mm. probably a bit embarrassed. Where <laughs> I just think you know I used to, I've always wanted to be one of them, and so to have Norma Plummer as the head coach there and and just say hello, it it was something that was pretty cool. And I was like you know I'm gonna I want to play for this lady one day and I want to be a diamond and. She took a bit of an interest in me when I was at the Institute and probably because I was a little bit of a rebel back then. Um, and <laughs> plum kind of like athletes who adjust themselves, who don't really, um, you know, when they're a diamond coach, you, you say hello a bit too many times just so they get to know who you are. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I was too scared to say hello. And towards the end of the year, I got a stress fracture in my foot. Um, So you're meant to be off it. So I had a massive boot on my leg and um, I'd used to just, go, whenever no one was at in the courts, I'd just go down and I'd take a footy or a soccer ball and I'd just have a little kick around by myself so no one could see. And I actually didn't realise that her office overlooked those courts. So she'd see me most days from doing something I was allowed to do <laughs> until she came down one day and, and you know, t- told me off a bit and we had a bit of a chat and yeah, I got to know her pretty well then and, years down the track, she actually offered me a contract to play with her at the West Coast Fever. So mm-hmm. um, I think during that AIS time, I was was pretty lucky to get to meet Norma then because I think that's, yeah, my career a few years later, that was a big benefit of that.
1: Was she then the Diamonds coach back then when you made your debut or was it Lisa at that stage? Uh, Lisa. Lisa. Lisa was the head coach. Yeah. So she gave you your your first green and gold dress. What was it like when you first pulled on that green and gold dress? It was
0: weird. It was a funny moment. I think, well, I remember receiving um, my green and gold dress the day before we played, and it was a really special moment um, receiving that dress. And for me, it was kind of, kind of took me back in time to when I first started playing and and not even knowing that the Diamonds was a thing. Mm-hmm. I remember standing, we've taken the court and we're about to sing the anthem. And I was just... just standing there and it just didn't feel real, which is kind of bad. And yeah, my first Diamonds experience, I think, you know, I was pretty young and I was like, wow, I've made it. This is it. This is this is what it's meant to feel like. And it was kind of underwhelming because I expected such big fe- emotions and feelings. <laughs> um, but As a kid, I was just like, I was just playing another game of netball. And it wasn't until just recently when I played – the Diamonds, which, you know, I've had a few years out of Mm. the Diamonds team that it wasn't until I put the dress back on, we're playing against New Zealand in New Zealand and I got really emotional and it was every emotion I thought Mm. I would have had the first time, I guess this is, yeah, the first time I actually felt it was in 2019. And I think probably because I worked so hard to get it. Before I, I was just playing sport because, you know, that's what you do. It's just a bit of fun. and. I didn't actually appreciate how far I had come because mm-hmm. it was just so easy. Like, how did I get this?
1: Because how old were you? You said you were young the first time. How young? Oh, I don't even know. I wasn't that
0: young, <laughs> but I was younger <laughs> than I am. I wasn't 30, that's for sure. I was in my tw- early 20s. Yeah. Um. And, yeah, just, it was just another game of netball for me. It wasn't yeah. anything too special. But to now then fight for it for five years um, and really push to, to earn my my spot. I think, mm. yeah, this time it was, yeah, it was a very special moment when actually that wave of, of emotion hit me.
1: Because I'll go into that, because it was a three-year absence that you were away from that netball, t- from the Australian Diamonds. Why was there such a gap?
0: Um, Oh, it just, it is what it is. I think, you know, the coach picks the players that she wants with the selectors and, you know, I wasn't that person at the time and I was refusing to to let that be the case and, mm. um, you know, it is what it is. Like my dad's always told me it's, you know, it's just these people are picking the players that they like and that they, they want because, you know, that's the netball that they they really like to watch and if I was to make it, it's the same thing. Someone's always going to miss out. Someone's always going to get in and mm. you can't let it get you too down. You just got to get back up and, and prove them wrong and it's hard to say that when you're you're not in it. And you've done everything you can to to get in. I don't remember my first, like when I moved to um, Collingwood, so moving from West Coast Fever where I was captain to moving to Collingwood, a big thing was, you know, to make the diamonds. I needed something else in my game because what I'd learned at Fever wasn't enough. Mm. And I've had the same coach for so many years. I need something new to my game. And so that's why I moved. And my first year at Collingwood was probably my best ever um, year in my career and, and the second year. And the two years I didn't make it, my third year, which was last year, 2019, like I had a good year, but it wasn't as good as the last two. Mm. So it was a year I wasn't expecting to make the Diamond squad, let alone the team. Um, and yeah, I got a call that, you know, this is, this is my year I've been selected in the squad and actually was lost for words when they told me. I thought it was a bit of a joke. <laughs>
1: You never gave up in that whole time. You never once took your name off that list to be selected for netball. Were there times where you thought that you, you, you know, my diamonds life is over and that's done? Why did you keep, keep putting your name up for selection? It must have still been tough in the third year. It must have been tough to still put your name out there for selection.
0: Yeah. Full truth. Like I had moments where I was just going like, nah, this is it. Uh, and I was saying like you know it's just the coach doesn't like me it's personal mm. you'd have all these thoughts in your head you'd have people tell you it's personal um and you'd question everything you Did know you and think maybe
1: it was because of your football your footy code switch yeah
0: that and other things like you you'd question everything like and mm. i think that's when when anything in life doesn't go your way you have stories in your head you have you try and make i guess get the answers where there are no answers and um every time i didn't get selected i'd I'd ask Lisa for the why I didn't Mm. Um, and each year I'd write it down and I'd make sure I tick it off that year, you know, something like I need to get more intercepts or I need to shut down my player more and I'd tick them off and I'd make sure I'd have the stats to prove it and, you know, it still wasn't enough. So Mm. you are going to come up with different things and you are going to listen to what people say that are in your corner and I was never vocal about wanting to make the diamonds because, you know, you didn't want to. Seem seemed like, I guess, a failure at the time. And the last three years, mm. I've been very vocal. Like, and I don't care who asked, you know, of course I want to play for the Diamonds. It's every kid's dream. It's my mm. dream. It's still my dream. Um, I want to wear the green and gold. I want to play with the best players in Australia. And yeah, so I'd, I'd push, I'd, I'd ask Lisa what what I need to do. Um, And, you know, it just wasn't my time. And, you know, Gabby Simpson was playing great netball and mm. um, she was in my position. I had to... I took up a different position at Collingwood. I started playing centre because that was one of my feedbacks, which is tough because you get told, you know, we want a player that plays two different positions. But Mm. if your club isn't willing to put you in a different position because you're the best wing defence in their team, Mm. you're not going to get that opportunity. Um, So that was a tough one. But Kim Rav and I just swapped halfway through 2019. So I got my shot at centre to prove that I can play two positions. Um, I did struggle and... Mm. I didn't, I didn't want to get told again, no, like you're not in the team. And I was, I was 29 last year. And I was like, you know, players make teams like this when they're 22, 23, 24, 25, Mm -hmm. not when they're 29. So why am I still pushing? I've got football now. I don't need netball. And uh, I had a a serious chat with Brooke and I was like, well, I didn't make the world cup team. I said, that's it. Like I'm done. There's there's not a big tournament again for another two years, so why bother? Mm. I don't want to be the a player that just gets selected so the main players get a rest during the years that don't count as much. Mm. And Brooke, yeah, said to me, you know, like, just don't put your name on the no list. Like, make them have to keep saying no to you. Mm. And, yeah, I took that on. I didn't really a- agree with it at the time, but I was like, <laughs> because as much as you say that, you still have hope. Mm. And, I, and I was like, I just don't want that hope to stay with me because it was getting me so down mm. um, that I couldn't break into this team. And, um, yeah, then I, I got the phone call and I just thought it was a joke. I was like, <laughs> Are you serious? Um, and, yeah, I've only been on that one tour with the girls and I absolutely loved it. And, like, I'm injured now, but that's, I guess, the biggest thing I want to get back for is because, like, I want to get back into that
1: team again. I just think that's such a great story in, in persistence as well, your your Diamond story, such a great story for young kids and persistence and, and, um, and to keep going and not give up. I think that's what a lot of people, like they see athletes
0: <coughs> take the best mark in the league or something. You know, everyone just sees all the highs, but I don't know, my career has been, there has been a lot more lows than there has mm. been highs, but I think that makes the highs stronger and I think that's a perfect example of how I was talking about At first, the Diamonds dress was just another dress to me. Mm. It wasn't, I didn't have those emotions, which I thought I would have Mm. to now. Being an older athlete and having to work so hard to get what I want, it's now meant the world and I don't want to let go of that dress.
1: So if I can take you back then, why did you make the switch to AFLW? How did that come about?
0: Well, I actually played football when I was um, playing for West Coast Fever and Normal was my head coach. Mm -hmm. I had a friend from um, NWA. Yeah, in WA. Ah. Yeah, so in the waffle and um, one, they were short numbers for a couple of weeks. And one of my friends was like, "Oh, if you have some free time, do you want to come down and, and have a kick?" And I was like, "Oh, yeah." But like, I've got netball. You know, we, I think we're playing the Swifts. We play the Swifts this weekend, um, and it was on the same day. But my netball game was earlier. And she's like, "That's fine. Play your netball game, and just come down if it's before half time." you'll be allowed to take the field. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, like 21 year old me thinking like, sweet. That's, that's awesome. Um, and I went down there and it was only the first quarter. So I was able to take the field and played the first game. Absolutely loved it. The coach said, you know, we've got five more games to the finals. You need five games to qualify. Are we able to make this work? Um, and then I looked at my netboard draw. We're away for one week. We're in New Zealand. Um, so that, ruled out one of the games but I still only needed four games to play and um so we we made it work I don't know how there was one game I got there two minutes before the halftime siren and I I had I got on the field I got like two touches (laughs) and then came off and I couldn't even play the rest of the game because I had to get back in the car and go to a netball presentation oh wow um what
1: did Norma think of this
0: well she didn't know and no one knew um and um I think it was the one, my very last game. I had, I had to tell Kath um, Cox, like, you know, I've this is what I've been doing. And it was our last fever game. So she didn't care at that stage. We hadn't made finals. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to go can I cut signing five minutes short to go? And she was like, yep, no worries, (laughs) covered me. Like, didn't tell Plum why I had left. (laughs) Um, That's a good teammate. That's a good captain. She's brilliant. Great (laughs) captain. (laughs) Love her. We'll always love her for that. Um, Yeah, and then a couple of weeks later, there was a presentation and I got named Rookie of the Year and that was in the paper. Um, And Sue Gordian, who is a netball commentator, was – the um MC of the night so when she called my name out I had to go up and she's like oh this is interesting I almost died um and yeah Plum saw it in the paper um the next day and um I got a phone call and had to go into the office and had to speak with her and the CEO and oh wow. they were telling me how you know this is this could be career ending for me this is how players lose their contracts and
1: oh, wow.
0: um yeah I was like oh well it's over now <laughs> so it doesn't matter I won't do it again <laughs> But absolutely loved footy and like it's always been in my blood and it's just the fun side of me. Like I always say like netball is like my ego side and like I turn into a different person when I'm on the on the court. But when I'm on the field, it's just me and it's just the kid running around having a ball. And um, so when AFLW started, you know, I think the Dockers contacted me and just questioned like would, it be, would I be able to play and Stacey Rosman was my coach at the time and she didn't even – she just looked at me. I didn't even get an answer. And I was like, yeah, well, that's that's it. Um, and then I moved to Collingwood and that was my first, I was saying before, was the year that, you know, uh, it was probably my best year of my career and a lot of people were expecting me to make the Diamond squad. And um, so I had a, had a deal with my coach at the time and just said, you know, if I was um, not to make the Diamonds, would you let me play footy for next year? And she was like, of course I would. Like, And she's been saying the whole time, you know, I think you'd be make a great footballer. You, would you do both if you could? Um, wow, I was like, oh, this is great. Is I'm you're really gonna coach. Yeah, yeah, yep. yep, Christy at the time, and I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really ask her. So ask the same thing. You know, honestly, Christy, if I don't make diamonds, would you let me do it? And she was like, hands down, yes. Wow. And then got the. I didn't get a phone call about the squad. We knew there was a mm. day where everyone was gonna get a phone call if you made it or not and mm. I didn't receive a phone call. And at the time I was shattered. Like mm. I remember we're in WA just back seeing Brooke's family and I had the phone on me all day and I knew mm. at two o'clock everyone would have had their phone call and I was shattered. Like I was mm. I was driving down to pick Brooke up from work, bawling my eyes out. That's and a like, nice
1: feeling isn't it? Oh it's and
0: you just yeah, it just it's not fun. And mm. then I was like, oh I'm gonna turn it into a positive <laughs> <laughs> and then just like the whole football thing came up and I just called Christy on the way down to pick bro- picking Brooke up and she was like, I was waiting for this call. <laughs> on like, the great. day that you knew you were going to get that? So yeah. So straight away you didn't even... Straight away. Wow. Because uh, it was two o'clock and it's I called her you You're negative first. into
1: positive, aren't you, Ash? That's oh, awesome. well,
0: it's opportunities. Can't yeah. let them go. And I first asked her, I was like, has everyone had their phone call? And she knew. And she's like, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. mate. And I was like, all right, well, can I play footy? And she was like... Ah uh, no, and she was really honest with me. She's like, "Ash, I thought you were going to." So the I just thought it was a joke. And, oh no. Um, and it was so hard to hear because I'm like, we have talked about this for at least six months. Yeah, like, and to be honest, I also thought it was a joke. <laughs> but at that <laughs> time, I was like, no, it is very real. <laughs> um, and she's like, I don't want you to do it just to annoy Netball. Um, mm. and I was like, it's not that. I ended up writing or she asked me to write her a letter why I wanted to play footy.
1: Yeah, right.
0: So I wrote her a letter about how I got into football. I told her about the time I played at Fever mm. um, and got in trouble off Plum and how, you know, no other athlete's done this. And for me, I would love to be an athlete that gets to test her body mm. and doing two sports in the one year. Like mm. no one knows if my body can hold up with it. Would it make me a better Netball? Like, so many questions and I want answers to it. Mm. And I guess, yeah, with that letter she was like, Okay, there is more to this and Woody isn't annoying. Just my rebound. Yeah. Yeah, it's just I'm not just <laughs> gonna annoy Netball. Like and it's never been the case 'cause like Netball is my chosen sport. Like I absolutely love Netball. And um then like I just thought it was as simple as getting her approval and then it turns out like you've got to get so much more approval. It took about three months to actually get it all signed off. Wow. Um, and just like things like um, speaking to insurance, you know, if I get an injury, who covers it? Yeah. Um, we had to speak to Netball Australia. They weren't a fan of it, so I had to speak to them personally at the time mm. and say why well, I wanted to do it, and it's got nothing to do with like annoying netball. And mm. at the time, net- netball were worried that there's a women's sport coming involved which could potentially competitor with netball mm. and now I've got a an athlete that wants to play both. <laughs> like how will that seem? And yeah, so I still don't think they were happy with it. But in the contract it says that if the club allows you to play a different sport or or go skiing or do anything like that, then it's allowed, but your club has to approve it. Mm. So the club were always happy for me to do it. It's um, pretty lucky. Collingwood oh, place. Yeah. If I was at a different club, there's yeah. no way in the world I would have been able to do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um and then yeah, the club signed off on it and then I had to go into the draft and um I was lucky enough that no other club touched me because if I <laughs> if another club did pick me up, then I would have had to
1: Add a complication.
0: Yeah, we wouldn't have been able to do it.
1: Wow. How physically hard, difficult is it on your body these two sports? Is it physically different? Like do you have to exercise and and build up different weight areas or or, uh, parts of your body? Is that difficult switching so quickly between one and the other? You're not playing them at the same time but um, directly after each other. What goes into that? Um,
0: My first season I actually put on five kilos of muscle just to make sure I was strong enough for football. Wow. Which was quite funny because like the first, that was the second season of AFLW and you had, like, everyone be like, Mo Hope's lost five kilos, like, and this <laughs> person's what? lost this. And I'm like, when are they going to be like, Braz has put on five kilos, what a <laughs> tank. Like, <laughs> what a tank. But, yeah, you definitely change your body, but without realising, I guess for me, it's just my program in the gym changes and I just trust whatever my strength and conditioning coach gives me at the time. And mm. as much as, you know, I'm not playing them both at the same time, when I'm in my football season, I'm doing a full netball preseason, so... The first year I did it, I was training ten times a week, and that wasn't including gym. So I was on mm-hmm. court and on the field. So I'd go from, I think we were training from like three to six on the netball court, and then my football would start from six to ten p.m. Oh, wow, that's full So on. I would run off the court straight onto the field. Yeah. While the girl my netball girls, were recovering, and I'd start training for footy. Yeah. And everyone thought I was mad, but I loved it. It was <laughs> the most fun, and I think probably because. I saw football as fun. Yeah, um, Netball was just so competitive and like you, you could not afford to be off at any stage where football was just starting up. So you had players who were in their late 20s who haven't lifted a weight before. So mm. a lot of them are still learning how to lift. And I got to be that player who could, I guess, help them in that way and mm. teach them different techniques, show them how to be an el- elite athlete, how to train hard and it was just, yeah, Over, it was just fun and I just uh, absolutely loved it. Do you have a uh, favourite? Actually,
1: is it still netball or is it like choosing your favourite child? Uh, <laughs> it's like choosing your favourite child. Um,
0: <laughs> no, but I think um, if push came to shove, I probably would choose netball at the moment. More so I think I've had that taste of playing for the Diamonds and wanting to get back into it, Com games being two years away. Mm. I think that's probably where my mind is probably focused at the moment. But I feel like I will finish my career with football.
1: Can I talk to you about something personal? Because I feel like you've mentioned her. We can't talk about Ash Brazil in a podcast without talking about Brooke. You can't. Um, <laughs> and you mentioned <laughs> it further about when you were talking about the AIS. I really want to touch on it now. What was it like for you being gay in a small country town like Bargo?
0: Um, it was tough mm. um, and probably it was probably just tough because I wasn't sure myself if I was gay mm. and I didn't want to be gay. Um, I didn't know anyone who was gay. I thought if I was gay I'd probably spend the rest of my life by myself. So it was a weird one growing up in in Bargo not and not being mm. comfortable with who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving to the AIS was such a big thing for me personally because I actually got, yeah, I got to figure out who I was and, and um, be comfortable enough to tell my parents that, you know, I think I'm gay, I'm not sure, but yes, I am. And, mm. um, and yeah, so it, it was a, a tough time, but I think it doesn't matter where you live, um, if you're in the city, if you're in the country, coming to terms with that, it, it, it was difficult to me, for me and I would assume it's difficult for a lot of people. Um so yeah it was tough but i think it's 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 who i am and i'm proud to be who i am and mm. i've met the most amazing um person i've ever met <laughs> and brooke and yeah 100% the love of my life and um has been so supportive throughout my whole career my life ever since i've i've met her and um yeah she's how did you she's two meet just unreal oh <laughs> how did we meet um, I was actually at a netball game, um, watching a friend play, and she was in the other team. And um, I was in Perth at the time, and I had dreads as well,
1: which is dreads. Ash, you yep. <laughs> know that. Oh really? They no. were like trademark. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I think they, the dreads kind of just stood out to Brooke's team, who Brooke never followed netball. Yeah. Um, she played it, but never followed. Didn't know anything about West Coast Fever and all she knew is that her one of her best friends favorite player had dreads (laughs) and all of her teammates were like oh that that's um Ash Frazzle she's the captain of Fever and um next minute I had a few few of her teammates asking for photos and we just got chatting and one of the girls um who was in Brook's team I actually played with their younger sister when I was growing up
1: ah yeah
0: um back in New South Wales and um, we ended up exchanging numbers because I was like, oh, when she's in um, WA, like, let's catch up. And Brooke made a sleazy comment nah, about, you know, oh, we've got your number now, be careful. And I was like, oh, that's okay. Like, I need friends because like, I literally only had my netball team um, as friends in WA. And they are like, oh, we're going to the basketball Friday night if you want to join. And I would never have gone. Like, that's just not me. I'm a bit of an introvert when it comes to outside of sport. I'm happy just to chill out, play music. Um, And I ended up going and sat next to Brooke and um, we chatted all night, Brooke and I. Mm. And I remember leaving that night and I called my mum and I was like, I have just met the coolest girl. I think she's going to be like my best friend for life. And honestly, saw nothing um, romantic about it. I just thought this girl was amazing. Mm. Um, And yeah, a few months later, Brooke said that she had feelings for me, which um, I was a bit devo when she told me that because I was like, oh, I don't want to lose you as a friend and I'm sorry if I led you on. Um, And she was five years older than me. So I was 23. She was 28. Yeah. And she's like, no, I've never had these feelings. And like, if I hurt you, I hurt you. I'm sorry, but I have these feelings and I want to, I want to, you know, trust myself that, you know, there are real feelings for you. And yeah, the rest is history. We now have a baby together.
1: Yeah, and she is a pretty awesome. You're awesome, but Brooke's pretty awesome oh, as well. She's, she's like the great. number one. Like she
0: she makes me cool. <laughs> for
1: sure. <laughs> you you describe sport as being your safe zone back then. Why was it your safe zone for you?
0: So sport for me became a safe zone because I felt like when I crossed that line to play netball for 60 minutes. I could only be judged on my ability. It wasn't because of my hairstyle, the clothes I wore, where I was from, who I was dating. It was just all about my ability and I felt that was fair. Like you could judge me because of what you were seeing at Mm. that time. Um, And I was a dad growing up. Like I never felt like I was the cool kid. I was never in the coolest clothes. And, you know, mum and dad were great. They'd get me whatever I want, but my style was terrible. (laughs) Um, So I guess, yeah, I always felt like I just didn't really fit in Um, no matter what I was doing, unless I was playing sport. And it was something I was good at. So yeah, for that 60 minutes, it was just like, it was my world. It was my Mm. chance to show the world who I was. And I could just be me. Like I never, I just played. I just had fun and not one thought in the world ever came across my mind. Even when, you know, I was really struggling about who I was and if I was gay. And Mm. once I I was playing, sexuality wasn't even in my head. So, yeah, that was just my safe place and, and I guess,
1: my fun zone. It was a bit of an escape from trying to work out who you were. Definitely an
0: escape. And even, like, to my parents because I felt like I was was lying to them because I wasn't telling them who I was or Mm. how I was feeling because I didn't want to tell them that, you know, I think I'm gay and then marry a guy, you know, like, Mm. (laughs) later on because Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure when I told my parents I was sure as well that, you know, this is the way I was going to live my life. And that could have changed later on down um, the track, but I wanted to make sure in that moment I was I was sure who I was before I was to tell them.
1: What was the point then that you were sure and then you were like, right, I'm going to tell mum and dad? What what changed for you?
0: Um, for me, it was it was moving to Canberra and I had a girlfriend at the time and it was just so different to having a boyfriend mm-hmm. and it felt right and it felt... If, it felt like the weight of the world, like lifted off my shoulder. I know that's so cliche, but mm. it, I wasn't lying to myself, and mm. and I don't even think I, I knew I was lying to myself because I really didn't want to be gay. Like I was just so dead against it. Why? Um, it was a different world. Like it's not you couldn't walk around holding another girl's hand. Mm. You couldn't, you know, even having a baby. Like Louis wouldn't exist if it was back then. Like in my mm. mind. And maybe it would he could have, but it would have been so hard and it would have been a really different world for Lewis to grow up in. But yeah, it just I never saw anyone gay. And if you did, if you did see a same sex couple walking down, holding hands, every single person would have a look. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was like you were at a zoo, like you had to have a look at that person. And, you know, I didn't want that for myself. I didn't my parents definitely didn't want that for me. And I know that's the one thing that they struggled with when I told them is because not because I was gay and I was going to marry a girl and I was going to be happy, but it was, you know, how hard am I going to find life now? Mm. Will people call me names? Will I walk down the street? Everyone like look and have a comment. And my mom and dad definitely didn't want that for me. So yeah, I guess that's why I didn't want to be gay, but I'd never really, I guess, yeah, I didn't think that it would bring me this much happiness being who I am and I guess, yeah, that's a message for everyone. Like, you, unless you know who you are, then you're never really going to be truly happy.
1: Was it hard telling your parents? Did they take it well?
0: Oh, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> right. And I guess, you know, as much as I say, I was so sure and I knew who I was. Like, I was still a kid. I was 17. And, you know, a lot of people don't know what they want to be when they're 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, mum was Catholic, Italian, Dad's just your Aussie bloke and you know I was his little girl you know I think a lot of parents would have thought being gay was having short hair walking around with like a singlet and footy shorts you know it wasn't <laughs> like the image of someone gay wasn't their daughter yeah so I think yeah telling them was tough and it definitely broke them at the time um but you would not know now they're the most yeah. supportive people ever and it it wasn't long until like they were fine with it because they saw that I didn't change who I was, mm. and that's one thing Dad said to me. He's, you know, he said he thought it would have changed me, and he thought, you know, he worried about would I ever get married? Would I ever have kids? I've always wanted to be a mum, and he just thought so much was going to change for me. And you know, we talk about it now and we laugh about it because mm. you know, Mum and Dad always tell me how lucky I am and um, like that I live the best life, and um, and like I agree, like I love my life and I wouldn't change it for the world. But if you go back to when I was 17 the questions that we, mum and dad would have had are, are just so different to the, the world we live in now.
1: Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it?
0: Oh, it's just, a, and it's not even that long ago. Like no. it's, what, 12 years ago. <laughs> like it's weird.
1: What I love is now you and Brooke are that role model. You're the people that young people look up to and just go, oh, okay, look at Brooke and Ash. And it's just beautiful.
0: Yeah, and so many people have said that. And it's really, like, it's so lovely to hear, but it's weird to hear because we just live our life <laughs> the way we know how and yep. we're not, yeah, like I said before, we're not doing it to be role models. We're just living life to be happy and mm-hmm. um, I hope any anyone that sees us and, and gets, I guess, I'm a, I think that we're a role model really take that and just being who you are and, and trying to find the happiness in that.
1: I remember when you two got married, it was before – the uh, same-sex marriage laws had had come through. And I remember just seeing your wedding photos on Facebook and just, I don't know, there was something about your love for each other. I didn't know either of you at the time, but you were both, I don't know, it just struck me. It was just so beautiful and just you could just see the love in the photos and the videos. I was, It was just so powerful your wedding just went viral, like, in all yeah, websites and papers and and everything. And you two kind of became the poster girls for same-sex marriage. Were you surprised at that reaction? Oh, it was massive. Your wedding yeah, went and everywhere. It and was, it was
0: a shock for us. Like, it was the best day of our lives, for sure. Um, but I remember we we're on a pl- I was on a plane. We just played a game and I was flying back home. And I, re- I w- had a look at our video and it had, like, six hundred views and I was amazed. I was like, six hundred views, like that is massive. Like Um and then I got off the plane and it was like up to ninety thousand views or something. And I like I was like, Whoa, what just happened? Like and I thought, you know, it's an error. And then my phone just started beeping like mad. Like um it was weird because, you know, we didn't get married to make it to go viral or 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 make it, you know, people wanting to hear our <laughs> thoughts on gay marriage or anything like that but it actually we actually struggled with it when we moved to Melbourne and um the the law was i guess everyone was able to vote yes or no because every person we talked to wanted to know our opinion and how are we going with it is it affecting us and it started to it really started to affect us because even though our marriage wasn't legal at that time for us we were married for our friends and family yeah. we were married um, we did everything manually that you do, wedding, like Brooke legally changed your name. We signed over mm-hmm. power of attorney, everything that comes with the marriage, like we did manually. Mm. Um, so we just didn't have the certificate. Yeah, um, And yeah, it was tough because you started to feel like everyone was judging our relationship and not even a marriage, like just judging us two being together. Yeah. And yeah, it was tough. But for us, the wedding was just the best day of our life. And the fact that it did go viral was pretty cool. And I think, yeah, it's our five-year anniversary on the 30th of January. So we're um, hoping to, I guess, redo our vows then.
1: And now, as you mentioned, you've become a mum. You've got little Louis or Lewis. How has life changed for you and Brooke now with Lewis in it?
0: Oh, it's changed a bit, Um, (laughs) but it's definitely for the better. It it kind of feels like it hasn't changed because I I know parents say, you know, it's really hard having a baby and like... the late nights or the crying, like we have the perfect child <laughs> um, and it's probably going to change because I just called him perfect. Yeah, he <laughs> um, himself <help> now. <laughs> but he has just been a dream and um, he has just brought even more love into mine and Brooke's life. And mm. um I think as much as um, COVID isn't great and it's, you know, put the world on hold at the moment, it's really suited us because Lewis at the moment has two stay-at-home parents and we're getting to see every milestone at the moment together and um, just waking up and seeing his little smile in the morning. And yeah, just makes everything worthwhile. And even though I'm injured at the moment, you kind of forget all of that because you've got Mm. this bundle of joy right in front of you.
1: There is another silver lining for you with COVID as well. And I'm kind of reluctant to put say silver lining because it is such an awful thing that's happening in the world at the moment. But you, you did make your way back into the Diamonds team. Um, you were looking forward to another season, finishing off the AFLW and then heading into the Suncorp Super Netball League, both for Collingwood. Then you did your ACL. And at that time, we thought that was the end of your AFLW season and the end of your Suncorp Super Netball season. And you feared and you said you feared that that would be your Diamond season as well. COVID came and now you've got time to recuperate, don't you? It is another, a bit of a silver lining, isn't it?
0: It is, but yeah, it definitely it's thrown the whole sport world into, I guess, panic. And what are we going to do? How are we going to keep our sport alive? And yeah, knee-wise, I guess it's probably more mentally good for me at the moment because I'm not watching anything happen. Like training's not happening, the games mm. aren't happening. So I'm really just getting to focus on on my recovery. And it's not. It wasn't just a clean ACL. I had a um, a fair bit more done to my knee. So. Um, the movement in my knee isn't probably where an ACL would be at the moment. And it's, it's on track, but I think if I had that and was watching all these players come back with, um, just AC, normal ACL tears, um, it probably would have got me down, but just being away from the club and being able to do my recovery at home, um, it's probably been a good thing where if COVID hadn't happened, I would be in the club, seeing everyone recover mm. and get back on court a lot quicker than it's I hard would be. Being on the
1: sideline. Yeah,
0: it is hard. But it's kind of like as it, and this is bad, I guess being an older athlete, I'm kind of excited as well because I get to help out with the young kids and I reckon by helping them out and giving them I guess the lessons I've learned so far. It's going to help my game when I do come back and mm. I guess I get to see the game from a different angle, um, which a lot of athletes don't get to see. How
1: long are you out for? How long have they predicted? Uh, it's 12 months yeah. at least. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I did a good job. I did, because um, I actually dislocated it, which like my ACL was strong. It wouldn't have gone if it was just the movement. But because I dislocated my knee, I did my ACL, my MCL, uh, my meniscus, and I fractured my tibia. Mm. So normally when you do your, M- your MCL, you just in a brace for a couple, like six to 12 weeks, and then um, then they operate on your ACL. But because mine was off the bone... They were worried if they didn't operate straight away, they would have to do a full like knee replacement. Mm. So we had to go in and um do that as well, which has held um the ACL movement off a bit just because we've been waiting for the MCL to heal properly.
1: Well, if anything that we've gone out of your story is that nothing really holds you back when you put set your mind to it. So I, oh, I reckon to it's see.
0: gonna make my career longer. Who yeah. gets twelve months off just to get better?
1: <laughs> I reckon it's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love you, Ash. Well, we finish off every podcast by asking you what advice you would give to your 10-year-old self. And you've talked a lot about the journey that you've been on. So if you could go back in time and tell that 10-year-old Ash anything, what would you tell her?
0: Um, I would tell myself to just enjoy every moment. Like setbacks are going to be tough and there's going to be plenty of them, but um, just find the positive in them. And I think that's something I do now, but throughout my early 20s, I would have thought like the world was against me. But every setback, um, I feel like I've come back stronger and found the positive out of it. So, yeah, don't don't let anything like that get you down because, yeah, watch this space.
1: We love seeing Ash Brazel out there on the court and on the footy field. Thank you for joining me on on Her Game. Thank you. Her game was presented by me, Sam Squires, and produced in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer, Lindsay Green. Audio producer, Darcy Thompson. Executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. For more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au, download the free Podcast One Australia app or search on her game podcast.